Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. One of the challenges about starting a daily podcast just a few hours after the idea was conceived is that you never really feel like you can get ahead of the game. If I'd had any idea that I would be launching Shelter in Place on March 17th, I would have been doing marketing efforts and mapping out and recording episodes weeks or even months in advance. I would have done fundraising and branding and lining up interviews. But if you've been listening, you know that nothing about this podcast was by the book because life isn't by the book right now. The idea for the podcast was born just a few hours before the podcast itself came into the world. We're figuring out so much as we go along, evolving with the process as life unravels around us. During this crash course in becoming a podcast host and entrepreneur, I've tried to implement things where I could, in between caring for and attempting to educate my three kids, figuring out our new COVID-19 life, and adjusting to the reality of no regular income. I've read and listened to other top podcasters explain exactly how they got into iTunes New and Notable, how they got hundreds of thousands of downloads, and successfully monetized their efforts. Some of them had mapped out six and nine and 12-month lead-ups to the launch of their podcast, which is really great information if you know in advance what you're doing. I've tried to implement the advice that still applies. Much of the good things that have happened here have been through the kindness of strangers, family, and friends. But even so, it's hard to be prepared week to week. Because even if I map out episodes, I'm limited in mapping out life. I don't know what I'm doing next week, let alone next month or next year. All of the plans we had before have been canceled or called into question. I've tried to play catch-up, both with life and the podcast, dropping bonus episodes or working late into the night, but every time I get on top of things, something happens and I get behind again. Producing something every day means that I don't always have a lot of time to carefully consider my next move. Sometimes I just have to jump to hope that there's a place to land, or if there isn't, that I won't hurt myself too badly when I fall. This past week, my daily episodes took me to some places I never could have anticipated. I had some weighty conversations because of them. Maybe you did too. Maybe I should have sidestepped those conversations in favor of something lighter, but I've never been very good at compartmentalization. I'm having to accept that this is all part of it, that a daily podcast in real time means a daily reckoning with my own personal struggles, which are sometimes connected to what's going on in the world and sometimes not. I'm an authority on my own story, my own experience at this time, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get it right all the time. I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm going to have some blind spots. And I'm going to have to hope others can extend the same grace that I'm trying to extend to myself, that I'm trying to extend to you, I haven't talked to anyone lately who doesn't feel the need for that grace in their own lives right now. But mostly, I just feel really tired on so many different levels. I'm physically tired from mostly not sleeping great since this all started. 
I want to be brave enough to have the hard and important conversations in my life, but some days I feel too emotionally exhausted to have them well. No matter how many parenting books I read or how many good moments I have with my kids, our life together still feels like a cycle of disobedience and lost tempers. I'm not as intentional as I want to be, not as thoughtful to my friends as I wish I were. As my friend said to me today, this is not who we want to be as a family. I'm tired of getting to the end of every day and feeling like no matter how long or hard I worked, there's something I missed. Some form I didn't file on time, or some email I didn't respond to fast enough, or some other opportunity lost because I didn't have my act together quickly enough. My friend Emily is a therapist and one of the people in this world who I know I can be a mess with. I sent her a Marco Polo video message the other day, just a quick check-in to tell her a bit of what was going on, to ask her to pray for me because I just wasn't feeling up to life right now. I woke up to her message this morning. She said that she knows what I look like on a typical day, and when she sees my face right now, she sees something different. It's the face she sometimes gets after sitting with client after client, knowing that sometimes all you can do in the face of brokenness is sit and listen. And it's painful to sit there knowing how many mistakes have been made in this world and that some of them have been yours. She said, I see your face and it looks like the face of a therapist. I had to laugh at that because the look on my face is where that comparison ends. I know I'm not solving anyone's problems with my daily gift. No lives will be saved by my words or writing. I can offer empathy, but not therapy. Kindness, but not answers. Not the gifts of a professional, but of a friend. Still, what she said next rang true. She said part of the reason it's painful to acknowledge the suffering in others is because it calls forth your own experiences of suffering. It hurts to know that some things are broken beyond repair. To understand that at least in some ways, we're all a part of that. But she said the work is meaningful. It's what she tells herself when she feels like giving up. And then she urged me to care for myself, which she said can mean so many things. But a lot of the time, it just means a time of rest. I thought about her words all morning as I was working, as I was trying once again to catch up after getting behind. I can be very good at working myself ragged, but I am not very good at knowing how to rest. Self-care is not an area where I excel. It's not that I don't have hobbies or that I don't enjoy relaxing. I love massages and lying on the couch reading books and snuggling with Nate and the kids and playing my guitar. Sleep is one of my absolute most favorite things. I just don't allow myself to do those things very often. There's always something or someone needing my attention, some work that needs to be done. I had to think hard about what rest means for me right now in this time when it's not possible to get a babysitter or go out on a date or splurge for a massage or even sleep in. I had phone calls I needed to return, ones I hadn't had the time or energy to make during this week, but that I couldn't put off anymore. But I wanted to take Emily's advice. I wanted to care for myself, to figure out how to rest. So I asked Nate if he'd mind putting the girls down for a nap so I could go for a walk. I figured I could at least get a little exercise while I was making the calls. So I walked up and down the streets of my neighborhood, waving to neighbors as I passed, feeling the sunshine and the warmth of spring. I passed by the neighborhood little library with its free-to-borrow books, 
past so many neighbors passing along toys or chairs or clothes they no longer needed, free for others to take. Even behind their masks, my neighbors smiled and waved at me. I felt the generosity and kindness in our neighborhood on every street I walked. And before I returned to the work phone calls, I called another good friend, one who I knew was going through a hard time right now, who could use some encouragement. And even though neither of us had much good news to share, it did feel like taking care of myself to talk to her, like the kind of rest I need most right now. Because even though we were a thousand miles away and our lives look completely different right now, we were under that same sunny sky, feeling closer to each other than we had in a while. At the end of the conversation, she prayed for me out loud right then and there, and it felt like the gift she meant it to be. When I got back, I still had work to do, but I held first one daughter and then the other while I typed. It wasn't the most efficient way to work, but we were all happier doing it that way. After, the kids started fighting, but in a rare moment of inspiration, I suggested we all go jump on the trampoline. We got that used trampoline off Craigslist three years ago as a way for the two older kids to get out some energy while their baby sister napped all day. It takes up most of our yard, but it's been the best thing we've ever spent money on. It's rare that a day goes by when we don't use it, when that time doesn't end in laughter. The kids had the idea to bring their bouncy donkeys on the trampoline. Within seconds of the kids soaring on their donkeys while I bounced them higher and higher, we were all laughing uncontrollably until our stomachs hurt. I remember then that the reason we had those donkeys in the first place was that my friend Carly had sent them as a gift many years ago, one that has made me laugh again and again. During the rainy season, we've done bouncy donkey races from the kitchen to the far end of the living room, a sight that will never cease to make me giggle. And then I thought about all of the times Carly had sent me other unexpected gifts over the years, just because. A bumper sticker that said, Honk if I left the car seat on the roof again when we finally resigned ourselves to officially being old and uncool and buying a minivan. She sent a bottle of champagne when I won a literary award. A series of gnomes for my garden for no other reason but to make me laugh. When the kids and I got tired of jumping, we lay on our backs on the trampoline and looked up at the wide blue sky, and I recalled the many moments in the past when I'd taken one baby or another and lay on a blanket in the grass in our backyard, that patch of sky above us, while we looked up in wonder at the passing clouds as we listened to the birds and the wind and the trees. Because that's the thing about sitting with a moment. The hard ones can stir up all kinds of pain and suffering. Sometimes sitting with that hurt is what's needed. But the good moments stir up things too. They unearth past kindnesses, remind us of all of the love and generosity and goodness that exists in the world too. Recently, I had a text exchange with my friend Lynn, a neighbor down the street who's been listening to the podcast and encouraging me all along. We texted back and forth about our parenting struggles, and I thanked her again for being such a champion of the podcast. Earlier in the week, she'd reached out to ask me if she and her husband, Peter, could make a donation. That afternoon, I cut the last three calla lilies from the patch in our backyard and put them in a jar to bring to her and thank her. Only after I had arranged them did I notice the hole in one leaf where a bug had munched through and the earwig I had to chase off from the curve of one smooth white petal. But then I thought, 
That is just like life. Not just now, but always. Even the beautiful stuff isn't perfect. But the flowers were still lovely. The imperfections didn't destroy their beauty. Later that day, Emily sent me a simple three-word text that said, I love you. I told her I loved her too. She knows the details of my life lately, all of the daily imperfections I'm dealing with in myself and in this world. Today, she helped me see that those imperfections don't destroy the beauty that's there if we look for it. It's in the sky above us, in the sound of the wind in the trees. It's in our kids' laughter, in the flowers blooming in the yard. It's in the words of encouragement we extend to others, and in the ones they give to us, too. So wherever you are today, however you're feeling two months into sheltering in place, my gift to you is to say to you what Emily said to me. Care for yourself, which can mean so many things. It might mean laughing or calling a friend or letting someone pray for you or just looking at the sky. A lot of time, it just means a time of rest, which isn't always easy to figure out. But I hope you'll give yourself that gift today. I hope you'll tell someone you love them and let them say it back to you. I want to send out a special thanks to Lynn Chen and Peter Santina for their donation to Shelter in Place this week. And I also want to say a continued thanks to my sponsor, Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines, who are not only making incredible wines, but doing so much good in the world. Use the code SHELTER when you order at brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com and get 10% off your order. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, you get free shipping. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, the best way you can support it is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes so others can find it too. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.